Alright, I think we actually hit record at the same time, finally. Yeah. So that's good. We're still on the phone. Yep. <laughs> we'll we'll no get our, we'll get a we'll get the gear we'll get the gear soon. We'll get the gear right soon enough. Alright, well what are we talking about today? Let's introduce the topic to everybody. Yeah, the topic for today is African diaspora. So, I have a feeling that a lot of the initial listeners will probably fit into this category. That's just because, you know, we're probably going to distribute to some of our friends and stuff like that at the beginning, you know? Yeah. So, oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we'll get a, like a more diverse group listening early on, but I have a feeling like over time, this is going to resonate a lot with, with diaspora just because, I mean, that's what we are and we're going to tell a lot of stories from that perspective so yeah i'm excited that this is the first kind of topic that we're diving into because we both have a lot of experience being diaspora is it diaspora or diaspora how do you say it whatever you want to call it how do you i call say it, it diaspora diaspora i've yeah. said diaspora before <laughs> Man, but like they're a pretty big part a big community in a way um i'll t- i'll tell you a little bit about like the diaspora from Tanzania and how like they've had an effect recently. So our president, um, President Samia, Samia someone, that's embarrassing, I don't know the full name, but <laughs> <laughs> our president went to the United States recently and the diaspora, diaspora there, they were, they wanted to, an audience with her, but she had like a bit of a clash with them because they they don't feel like she's doing a great job at the moment so she she wanted to kind of not interact with them and like not answer the difficult questions that they had for her so they gathered like outside i think it was a hotel room or something like that and they tried to get in touch with her but she just kind of like punked them off and like escaped through the back door and yeah it was blowing up on twitter and it was blowing up just like on whatsapp groups you know like your auntie's whatsapp group they were talking about that a lot (laughs) about how like they're being disregarded in a way and like do you do you feel that that's also the case like in nigeria do you think they have like a like an impact back home in a way like through their views or through the things that they would like to see happen in their home country or are they also kind of considered outsiders in in kind of a way you mean the nigerian diaspora yeah um nigeria is a very interesting <laughs> culture yeah. well first of all nigerian diaspora is all around the world yeah but they're like that's uh, true they call nigerians mo- uh cockroaches <laughs> why Co- <laughs> great question <laughs> cockroaches are everywhere uh, on earth okay 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 and cockroaches don't die easily like yeah. literally if everyone was to get bombed or killed yeah the they said that right? like cockroaches with, will like, be the last surviving yeah. creatures <laughs> and that's nigerians nigerians have a sense of survival yep uh it's just they just always find ways to survive if you go to a place if you're looking at the top people that are thriving yeah and there'll be a nigerian there if you see someone surviving there'll be nigerians so first of all you see nigerians everywhere yeah and also nigerians for the most part i mean you see exceptions but for the most part always have a sense of connection to home nigerians are just proud of Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, so there's all they always know what's going on back home. Even if you yeah. want to, like your family members won't let you forget. Yeah. Like if you're if you see a Nigerian pretending like they're not really Nigerian, 
they're only pretending like that on social media. Yeah. They have family members that are Niger- that, that won't let them for, that won't let them <laughs> forget. Yeah. So you're always connected to what's going on back home. Yeah. Like Nigeria affects me so much, man. Like I'm not in Nigeria, but you know, I still send money yeah. to my family. Yeah. And whatever happens there yeah. directly well indirectly affects me too. Yep. Yeah. Like there was a time there there was an issue with um with the bank. Yep. You can't directly send money so, to Is bank. that recent? Uh that was two years ago. Okay. I saw something recently about a similar situation, but yeah, maybe I'm thinking about something else. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, that that was two years ago mm-hmm. and it had to like I had like a direct deposit from my accounts that I had set up with like I think World Remy that I was using at the time. Yep. I just send money to my mom every month. Yeah. But the bank Banks in Nigeria all of a sudden decided that you're not allowed to send money directly to your really? bank account. Really? Why, yeah. would why, why wouldn't they want that? that I have seems no like idea. It's like it's good for everybody. I have no idea. I mean, at that point, it was like a huge part of their... It was a huge part of their uh, GDP. Yeah, but I don't know why the banks would... <laughs> I, I would not want that because, like I said, it's, it's the... It's like... Ten, at that point, it was like 10% of the GDP or something like that. Yeah. So, like, it was uh, foreign remittance yeah. was, like, a huge portion. 10%? Uh, yeah. That's a, big, that's a big chunk, man. It is. And it, the money is still flowing in. It's just harder for people. Like, now when I send money to my mom, she has to go to the bank and then take the money. Then she has to go find a way to convert it and... It's just hassle, man. Like, she's yeah. an old lady. She doesn't, she doesn't no, need that stress. All this admin stuff. Yeah, so... And there's, like, best believe there's people, like, taking a small percentage all along the oh, way, yeah. each part of that process. Oh, yeah, know? there's... Uh, the dollar exchange is, like, a black market there. Like, yeah. So anyways, it, it's a... It's very tough, and, you know, on an emotional level, I don't want my mom to be stressing out. That's yeah. annoying. Yeah. And then also, in terms of how I send money now like i have to do that manually every month where it was automatic before automatic, yeah. so um it is what it is um the elections uh would be another example like nigerians have you know on social media they've been like pushing to get people to vote for the right candidates they've yep. been advocating um so that has a direct impact on what's going on back home yeah uh, that, that's just in politics yeah in terms of entertainment uh, when I used to DJ right. in university, I used to play Nigerian music then. Yep. Uh, Afrobeats was not like what it is now. Yeah, not a specific genre, maybe. No, it, it was a genre. Right. Oh, I, I guess the Afrobeats was not, you know, they hadn't used the name at yep. the time. But the style of music, we knew what it was, but outside of Nigeria, it wasn't as huge then. But then Nigerians weren't proud of that themselves, too. Like, it, it was just called local music then. Yeah. So no one wants to be listening to local music. Mm-hmm. So even the Nigerians outside of Nigeria, they were not that into it. Yeah. So I used to, like, try to play those those songs. Yeah. Then the foreigners uh, in Newfoundland, which was mostly white people, yeah. uh, they <laughs> loved it. Yeah. So I knew there was something there. Yeah. So anyways, from me playing it, then one of my friends who is white would play it yeah. well I would like it then yeah. go home and play it and then their friends like it yeah. before you know it it's like spreading yeah so that was just me yeah and I noticed that my friends in the UK my friends in Australia my yeah. friends in Jamaica everywhere were yeah. doing the same thing yeah, similar so thing that helped Afrobeats yeah to become 
what it is yeah. and when you get when you understand the culture the same thing happened to like dancehall back in the days you first you like the music yep. then you like the culture you mm -hmm. like the food you start wearing like jamaican flags and all those things yep. same thing happened to africa and nigeria specifically where um, a lot of the music and cult culture started becoming more prominent and yep. so yeah, diaspora so, affects it a lot. Yeah, so are you, are you saying that like that's part of the role that they play or they should play? You know, is like outreaching into the world with, with the culture. Like you, you're talking about it like from a lens of music, but it could be anything else. You know, it could be like film, perhaps, or books, or something like that. Maybe diaspora ha has like more of a opportunity to distribute some of these artworks and some of these like cultural. Um, artifact for lack of a better term to the greater population do you think that's like a responsibility that they have because you've i've seen it both ways where somebody like leaves their home country and they leave their home country behind as a result like it's like i'm gonna go assimilate and take on new things and there's a whole spectrum between that person and the person who comes in and like does not assimilate at all and just like lives right. out their culture the whole time um i've always kind of been maybe somewhere in between like I'm, I'm somewhere else. So like now I'm experiencing that, yeah. but I'm also myself. So, you know, I have an opportunity to also introduce people to a world maybe they're not familiar with at all. So, I'd considered it. I, I used to really think it was like a responsibility. You know. Yeah. I felt a responsibility to do that, um, and I, I don't know if it necessarily is. Like, what, what are your, what are your thoughts there? You said the word, though, that I'm thinking. It's opportunity. Yeah. Like, the example I gave you with the music stuff, I just noticed that we, you know, people in diaspora happen to have created that effect in terms of music and culture, yeah. which leads to an opportunity. Like, what other areas can we do that? Like, our house, can we, you know, if tourism is a good driver of revenue for a country, yeah. um, if the country is not doing a good job or these countries are not doing a good job of promoting it, we can be the ones. Like I'm always constantly telling people, hey, you should visit Nigeria. You should go do this, you should yep. go do that. Yep. And I also give them, you know, the things that they should be cautious of. Yeah. So yes, there's an opportunity to do that in other ways, like tourism, like yep. uh, business opportunities. Yep. We can definitely be cultural ambassadors. That's what we yeah. call it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's a nice term. That's a nice term right there. On the flip side, though, you mentioned uh, responsibility. I don't think it should be anyone's responsibility or even yeah. expectation. Because yeah. um, everyone's situation is different. Like, when I left Nigeria, I kind of had the intention to go back. Yeah. But when I came to Canada, things happened back home. My mom ended up losing a lot of money yeah. and part of it was because of the way the country is being, is run. being run. And that made me not like the country. Yep. There was a time I absolutely disliked Nigeria. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like actively. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that was someone who liked Nigeria. Now I didn't like Nigeria. Yep. And then after years, like 10 years, I eventually went back home yep. and then I saw my family, I saw my friends, I saw what I left, yeah. and that love came back again. I was like, oh, this is why I left her. This is my purpose. Yeah. So then my sense of responsibility yeah. came back again. Yeah. So I would, who would I be to judge someone who is on a different journey? You know, mine was a journey of, of a few years. Mm -hmm. Someone, it might have taken them like 60 years yep. to get to a point where they love the country again, yep. or maybe they don't even love it ever. Like, yep. I think... 
Okay, yeah, everyone is different. So, I think you might have kind of answered this a little bit, but do you think the diaspora is kind of responsible for contributing back home as well? And I know I'm using a strong word with responsible there, but and some people you're not going to feel more responsible than others maybe. But do you think that you should go forward, you know, looking back from where you came from, understanding your roots, understanding that you need to kind of provide for them and it was the launch pad that kind of brought you out, but you need to kind of like look after it as well for like future generations of people from there. Do you feel that need to do that? I don't think anyone can um be useful to the world from like an empty cup. Yeah. So of what I always say is, you know, fill your own cup first, you yeah. know, take care of yourself and then your immediate family and then your community and so on and so forth. So if you do have family in Nigeria, yes, after you've taken care of yourself, yeah. yes, you probably should yeah. start looking at helping your family in Nigeria as well. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have any family in Nigeria, then I don't know how motivated you will be to help solve anything there. Yeah. And I'm just in just Nigeria as you know example because that's where yeah. you know that's my own origin. Yeah. But, but the same thing applies from anything. Tanzania yeah. or Any anywhere country. as well. I would yeah. imagine. Or, or what do you say? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same everywhere. I have to imagine. Like you're saying a lot of things that resonate a lot with my personal experience, having come from Tanzania. Like same thing. Like uh, politics, maybe you know, having a huge effect on the quality of life for the people back home you having an opportunity to grow and become something and contribute to your family back home and then doing that and like whether or not it's being asked of you it's like something that you're like you know i'm in a position to do it so i might as well do it but i also resonate with the idea of um you needing to pour from a full cup like when you're building yourself up and if you're constantly emptying then both of you are kind of in the same you will always be in the same position yeah exactly you know so like if you can get yourself somewhere where you're stable and yeah. you can help somebody else also get stable, then I, th- I think you, you should do that. But uh, I, I don't think you should do it prematurely or at the expense of you being able to kind of set up something for yourself if that's, what's, you know, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I think you should be able to fully live out your life as much as possible because when you're in that position of like abundance, then other people can also join you in that position, but not before. I, I totally agree. Yeah. It, it's it's a very tough one though to be honest um because even me saying this right now this situation might be different I, we have an election in nigeria like next week next week De- depending on what the outcome of that is i could be like i don't care about nigeria who knows <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, okay who knows um and some keep, keep in mind too a lot of people escape their countries uh, by being refugees as yeah, well. Yeah, like if you left are you because going to ex- of war, are you going to example? expect such a person to go back and yeah. and help? That's a, yeah, that's totally different. That's an interesting nuance. Is like, how did you leave? Yeah. Because for me, it was like the, the typical education route. Like you finish school, you look for opportunities for where you can do like your further learning or like your post, yeah, your post high school learning, and then that's that's the reason you emigrate. But if you're forced to emigrate. That's. I feel like you have a different relationship with your home country. Exactly. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to put any sort of like tag on them. Like, oh, like yeah, you left, and now look, like you, you know, you've got this chocolate factory somewhere now. Like, come on, you should be contributing. I, I don't know that they feel the same way that like you and I would feel because of the way we left. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it's traumatic. It's traumatic. Some, 
it's just mentally, emotionally, some people just can't look at where they're from and yeah. go back. Mm -hmm. It's it's something they try to forget. Yeah. So it's not, you know, we can't compare experiences in that way. Mm -hmm. And also, I think legally, some people are not even allowed to go back. Like, if you're like a refugee yeah, that's true. That's, of a country, you yeah. can't go back to that country. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's all different from for everyone. Does Nigeria allow dual citizenship? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Nigeria, they don't care how many other countries, countries you're, you're a citizen of. So, yeah. I, I feel like that might be a big part of the that 10% remittance yeah. that goes back. Is like you are probably more inclined to invest back home if you know you always have a home back home. Yeah. Like if you if you... If your family is still back there and like you know you're working on something together maybe you know you're getting some land or you're, you're investing in some business together yeah. in hopes of the future of finally returning back home you're gonna have that even that that more selfish drive rather than just like i'm going to contribute it's like i'm also building my own future by doing this right so like i feel like that dual citizenship is really important tanzania doesn't allow dual citizenship oh really yeah so you're not a canadian citizen yet right no what would you do when you reach that crossroad? Tough decision. <laughs> Tough decision. Because, like, for the, for the immediate future, it yeah. would be way more beneficial for me to be Canadian because it opens up the world in a lot of ways. Like, um, I, don't know, I don't know if this is a story for this particular topic, but yeah. I remember traveling with some Canadian friends. I'll just tell the short version. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll cover, cover travel in some, some episode in the future, but I remember traveling with them and it was in Southeast Asia. And... I've never, it, it's never been so blatantly obvious for me, like, that you can inbuild systematic gatekeeping yeah. for certain groups of people. Yep. So, like, for, for me traveling to go someplace to, like, enter a country and things like that is, like, a whole visa process that we're constantly, like, I was checked every single flight <laughs> that I was going, bro. Yep. I was like, this could no longer be random. I was like, one time, two time, ooh, two times a lot. What are the chances of that? That I was like three times in a row. That's that's too many times, you know. So, and I could see them just like going in and out of customs incredibly easy. Like going in and out of countries was super easy. And it's the same thing now. Like we live like two hours away from Seattle. I've mm -hmm. never been because like for me it's a whole process. Like I was like looking online. Oh, wow. It's like three hundred and sixty something days for me to get an interview to go down to the states oh for real a year to wait for an interview for you to go down oh wow whereas if i was canadian i i could probably be there in yeah by 8 p.m i'd be there bro so I'm like wow. how you know the, these things kind of like gatekeep you in a way yeah. and so that would be my main reason for getting a canadian passport is to unlock the world in a way because like so much easier to go in and out to go to these conferences earlier actually before we hit record you were talking about afrotech yeah and i would have loved to go to something like that but at the same time it can't be like three months away and then now i'm gonna go to this thing it's like too soon i can't plan for it but mm. if i had a canadian passport it's like all right let's get the dollars together and then we go it's literally that simple so yeah that for for the immediate future it makes sense for me to think about being a canadian yeah. But long term, I also have the similar dream of like maybe, you know, retiring with all this foreign money that I made back <laughs> home, you know, and just like living life out back there. A, because I enjoyed my childhood a lot. Yeah. Um, but like there's just like a lack of opportunity or mm -hmm. back there as compared to here. So I have to be here for the moment in order to 
live out like a better version of life in a way so yeah i would that that's why dual citizenship is a must you know like i would be investing more back home i would yeah. be like participating more back home because i know like i've got somewhere to like go back to and all of this but if i if i do decide to go canadian it's be, it's more difficult for me to own stuff back home now oh, you know what i'm saying wow. so that's a tough it's a, predicament yeah it puts you in a predicament so it, it's interesting like from if our diaspora perspective it's like what role do we have to play back home because i know a lot of tanzanians are probably in a similar situation who are living like in the united states yeah it would have been way more beneficial for them to become like a state citizen because that's where they live that's their day-to-day um the u.s passport obviously comes with a few benefits they would make that decision they would go with the u.s passport but then when it's like time to think about that next step in life like maybe you've had your children they've grown up now you're like okay where do we go to to chill like to chill out or where do we go to even have those children i was talking about and things like that home is obviously the number one thing that you would consider but now that you've spent time building your your life is set up in the u.s you know you don't you can't go right. back as easily you can't like own things back home as easily and it puts the yeah it puts the diaspora in a tough position in a way it's like what do you what do you do like how do you focus your energy i would like to create a poll on this maybe on twitter or something at some point just to see how many people were in that situation and yeah. what did they choose that would be interesting to find out i right? would like to see to, to see the outcome of that that would be very very interesting i don't know what i would choose like it's funny you mentioned this thing because i only just became a citizen last year of canada and i already take that for granted <laughs> yeah. Like, because before I know how Nigerian passport is one of the hardest passports to travel the world with. Yeah. Oh my God, it's <laughs> horrible. I remember uh, a few years ago, um, my ex-girlfriend and I were planning on going to Bali. Yeah. So I had already been living in Canada as a permanent resident for quite a while. Yeah. In Canada, as a permanent resident, you're like a Canadian. Yeah, you don't have to worry you about anything. Have all of so I got carried away. So she was like, oh, we, um, my friend is a travel agent. She found this ticket, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We should book. Yeah. I didn't think this through. I was just like, uh, yeah, 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 sure. Let's book it. Yeah. So we booked it, spent like 300000 oh, not 300000 yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, <laughs> what kind of trip is this? We spent $3,000. <laughs> uh, I didn't look at anything, yeah. only for like eight months, nine months went by. Yeah. Just seven weeks till the trip. Yeah. I was like, oh, let me start. Like, I you know, prepare. Prepare for the trip. <laughs> yeah. Then I looked. I was like, oh, my God, visa requirements. She was like, yeah, what do you mean? I was like, visa requirements. Nigeria, you always need a visa. Yeah. So then I checked. So I was like, oh, Bali, you don't need visa. I was like, oh, thank God. Then I looked. There was only one exception. Every country in the world yeah. can go, can no go visa. with no visa except Nigeria. Oh, my God. One bro. country one had to be country. mine. <laughs> and How long was the process? The, oh, my God. The process was pretty much, they made it impossible. Yeah. So not only, it takes like two months. Yeah. So at this point, this was already seven weeks. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm used to... I'm used to finding my ways to make things happen yeah. <laughs> on a quicker timeline. Yeah. That's not an issue. But the issue was um, I needed to know someone that works in like government in Indonesia, which yeah. is Bali. Yeah. For some reason, I have a friend who used to live in Newfoundland, yeah. moved to Bali. Yeah. He works for the government. Perfect. Yeah, that, worked, that works. That okay, cool. Nicely. On top of that, you need to pay like, I think, $7,000 or something. 
for the visa application. What? Yeah. I, after I read that, I didn't even look at the other requirements. I was just yeah, like, I'm, like yeah, what? We're done. I'm like, I'm not. I don't care. I was like, we're I'd rather done just. Here. I'm it's not like, what are you going to go? $7,000 yeah, visa. I was like, I was like, like, am I going to go start a business over there? That's the no, only way I, I can like, justify nope, spending that much. Not doing it. Yeah. So yeah. that's how, yeah, Bali didn't happen. So now that I can actually go with my yeah. Canadian visa. Yeah. Passport. Yeah. I kind of have this bitter taste in yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bali that I can't travel. Yeah, I can't go there. It's nice there, man. You should go. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, the people didn't do anything for me. I, in a way, it was kind of my own stupidity, so I can't fault them for it. But yeah, Seven I lost grand. money for I lost money for that, man. Yeah. But yeah, travel is a huge it's aspect a, of, yeah. of of all of this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad I can use both, so... Mm-hmm. Damn, I I don't know. I hope this poll can help you understand. Yeah. Number one, you know, there we'll are more see. people that are facing this. Yeah. Or see, if there's any other ways around it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would definitely love to. After that poll, maybe get people that are not non-Africans or whatever. Yeah. Get different people from all around the world see to what see they... what their travel experience is. Yeah. Because I have I have a bunch of messed up stories as well. Yeah. With my travel experience, that I would like yeah, to share man. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Man, I want to tell another travel story. You know what? We'll save these travel stories for another episode. Man, I have some good. Uh, I, have, I have some interesting experiences as well. I'm sure you've had them too. So we'll chat about that. No worries, man. I mean, this is not like there's no strict restrictions in all of these topics. Yeah. Well, there will always be tangents. I, Things I, always interweave. That I, we are humans. All, you know, it's our all lives related. are connected. They're all related. Yeah, man. exactly. So uh, we'll try to stick to the point, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is about uh, the diaspora experience. Yeah. Uh, something you mentioned earlier on, though, mm. which you said, you know, about investing back home. Yep. Um, there's also these spiritual connections as well. Yep. Like, as much as, the older I get, the more Nigerian I feel that I am. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's, which is strange. Mm-hmm. I came to Canada as a Nigerian, yep. and then over time I became Canadian. Yeah. But, spiritually, I feel more, more Nigerian, because I realize that's where the, my strength comes from. Yep. Like, I'm very persistent when I'm trying to get things done. Yeah. And I realize people around me are not necessarily like that. Yeah. And so it's also that I built it. Yeah, it's an yeah. advantage. I yeah. built, you know, if you come from a country where um, everything frustrates you, you need that sense of pers- uh, stamina, yeah. <laughs> mental stamina to keep also, going. Also creativity. You mentioned that recently it, with the travel story, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, I have my ways around certain things. E- exactly. And you need that. And oh, like, yeah. In this world, you, you can't just go through the, the path. Sometimes no. you need to, like, you, you know, Nigeria find, find your way, yours. maneuver your way. Because, I mean, in this society, there's already pre-created paths that you can walk into. Yep. In Nigeria, the same path that worked yesterday won't work tomorrow. Yeah, like, so you, things change every day. You need to be ready. It's a society with no system, yep. but there's a lot of tiny little systems that you have to navigate. Yep. So you need crazy creativity yeah. to survive. And I took that for granted, yep. but I just realized that, you know, the more I work professionally or even within friends, that I realized, like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> this is not a skill I had to learn. This yep. is a skill that I had to learn to survive, yep. you know? So I am grateful for Nigeria for that, yep. uh, for that. Yeah. And that gives me that sense of uh, pity for people that are probably smarter than me, yep. that just don't have the opportunity. Yep. So I always, you know, Want to give back that's what this podcast is kind of yeah for me it's like, you know yeah, to leave that little out. bit of a ladder to help other people yeah. reach where we might be and also you know if there's something we don't know 
yeah. use this as a means to learn so that we have can that share communication with yeah yeah um, so back to like diaspora and back home connection do you think they should play a role in what happens back home and not necessarily just politically but through their influence do you think they should be able to affect the direction a, a particular country takes a, a, a way that that um that things are developing back home have a say essentially in the direction of their country even though they don't really necessarily live there should they want to or should they be able to like should should they be able to like if whether or not they want to like that's up to them but if they want to yeah should they be able to play a role i mean um i'm not sure if nigeria does but i know some countries allow you to vote when you're outside of the country canada does that it allows you to vote. Yeah, when oh, you're outside of the country. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, you should be able to, as long as you're a citizen, right? A citizen is a citizen. Yep. So, if you're a diaspora outside of the country, you should be able to. But, you know, there are some African diasporans that are not necessarily citizens of their of country. The, of their country. You know, no like, more. if I have kids here now, yeah, they before be. they go back home, yeah. if they, they don't have the citizenship yet, yep. they are still African diasporans, yeah. but they are just... Yeah, they don't have that yeah so i guess they probably won't have a say in what's going on anyway. yeah. i guess yes so i guess the answer to that is it should be limited to the citizenship yeah okay i think that makes sense to me as well i feel like as long as you hold the passport you should have some sort of yeah because it's it, it's still like who you represent where, wherever you go yeah and like you say like as you're going through certain gatekeeping situations or whatever like that's who you are so like you should have some sort of way of impacting what that means in the world yeah anyway, so yeah I, I would agree i think they I think if you want to be involved you should be able to be involved as much as you want i mean i see citizenship like i see countries yeah. like companies yeah and citizenship is like you're a shareholder yeah. in the company your stock options yeah you have stock <laughs> options so you know you're you you have vested interest yeah. in the nation so yeah. yeah anyone with i guess anyone that has stock yeah. should be able to have voting rights yeah. and be able to affect the direction yeah. that's which is yeah which is what citizenship is yeah. Yeah. Hmm. do you know many diaspora like in in you know bc like around you day to day i've met quite a few groups yeah. you know we have the surprisingly there's quite a fair amount of americans yep african americans that are here there are Africans like me and you. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of Caribbeans. Yeah. A lot of Caribbeans. I'm starting to see a lot of Afro Asians too. Afro Asian. Yeah, like African and Asians. Yeah. Which uh, until I came to BC, I never you know, experienced that. that. I mean, we all know Pharrell, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We we all know Pharrell. Who else did I knew? No. Uh, Kimora Lee Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, I didn't know much uh, of that mix. Yeah. But but now uh, there's a lot of that uh, type of diasporans there. Yeah. Uh, what other type are there? Br- the British uh, British uh, brothers there's a, there's and a sisters. Pretty, there's a pretty big population. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people I know from my school, for example, they went to the UK, living their lives out in the UK now, and so like, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I would like to talk to them to see if their experience is any different from like people who moved to you know china somewhere and yeah. there and studied there because a lot of people do that is go to china to study yeah then a lot of people maybe are in the u.s oh yeah my brother it's, studied in singapore actually 
Yeah, so like I'd be curious, you know, like what was his experience versus like your experience having gone to like different countries and being in a diaspora in different countries and whether or not that affects your experience as a diaspora in a way. Mm. It'd be interesting to find that out as well. So if you are a diaspora of a particular country and you'd like to share your story, reach out. We would love to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah, no. we'll tell it on the podcast. Yeah, one of, I think, and I guess this is more like an introduction to, you know, the idea of what, it ta- what it's like being a diaspora. Yeah. Um, a lot of these topics, we'll always touch on them later on. Yeah. Um, maybe someday we'll have like a diaspora perspective, you know, try to yeah, get different experiences. What's it like being black in the UK? What's yeah. it like being black in China? What's yeah. it like black in Poland? That yeah. would be very interesting. Yeah, I would, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the black experience, it's, mm-hmm. but it, it's all kind of put in one, under one bucket in a way. But I feel like there's nuances to oh, this. So I, sure. I'm really interested to see like how, how people have fared in, in the decisions that they made or like the countries that they ended up in um, and how those experiences compare to one another. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When I created Black Road, that was... <clears throat> exactly why I created it. Yeah. People were asking me all these questions about, you know, how to learn about black people. Yeah. And I only know black as a African. Yeah. And I don't know black as an African in Canada. Yeah. I don't know all the black experiences. And yeah. the easiest option was just to crowdsource the, the library of resources. And surprisingly, people started posting stuff. And I was able to learn about different experiences I had never experiences as well they are black yeah. natives as well yeah like <laughs> you, yeah. you don't think of that as a thing but yeah. they are black natives too yeah so you have the struggle as a black person yeah visibly black yeah. but you also have the struggles that natives yeah. face as well face. so it's Damn. it's it's wild so yeah. this is a very nuanced topic that yeah. i love us to you know yeah, yeah let's get some some more perspectives on yeah. it today sure. was more of the black the africans black, yeah, the uh, perspective they're even not black but they are Africans who yeah. are not black, they are white. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, there's a lot of people in South Africa yeah. that are full mm-hmm. on white, but Elon Musk would is have African. Diff- yeah, and, they would have, and he would have a, like a different experience, <laughs> a different story to tell. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. technically, that's still African diaspora. Yeah. You know what I mean? African diaspora doesn't necessarily mean black diaspora. Yeah. So, Charlize Theron as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It took me all to like three years ago before I realized that yep. she is as well. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's many of us than people realize <laughs> yeah i think we need to add also uh the quote-unquote black experience as like a topic of discussion as well because of all of the various nuances that there are with it yeah uh, i feel like it'd be an interesting topic to explore so you know we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode uh but we'll, we'll call it there for this one yeah for sure we're trying to keep this very well as i mentioned there will be tangents but we're yeah. trying to keep it focused at the same time and Around 30 minutes, Mark. Yeah, let's do it. We'll actually get it 30 minutes next time. All right. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. All right. Stay safe.